Praise God. God, God is awesome. And uh, again, uh, the Leadership Summit, please know a lot of times when I, when I first hear this whole word leader, it, it sometimes discourages us because uh, we think that we're not leaders. But anybody who has influence is a leader. And there is someone looking to you uh, for guidance. And uh, if any day, today is a constant reminder that we need to be leaders. Amen? We've been in a series called uh, Christ-Centered Life, and we put together this wheel. Uh, and these are supposed to be uh, spokes to keep the wheel in place. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, we, a lot of people used to leave tires in the street. And uh, we used to take the tires and we used to roll them and race. Uh, and if we really got brave, we would stand uh, at either end and ram our tires into each other. And the tire that was standing is the one that won. And I learned uh, doing that, that the way to uh, let my tire be the one standing was by stiffening up and supporting the center. So I put some sticks in the middle and I made sure that my tire uh, uh, was really stiff in the middle and, and really like grounded in the middle so that when I rammed it into somebody else's tire, my tire would stay up. Anybody remember playing those games? I'm probably the only one, right? <laughs> but there was a time uh, where uh, for me personally it was fun, but I learned that lesson and as we put this wheel together we realized that at the center of our discipleship wheel. This wheel is Christ. And we've been talking about fellowship and service and prayer and witnessing and stewardship and reading God's word. And one of the things that I noticed is that we need help. We do. Like we'll fellowship for a little while and then if something else comes up, we'll stop doing it. Or we'll pray for a little while, and sometimes when God answers that prayer, we go back to doing what we were doing. The same thing with our service, we'll do it for a certain time. Now you hear things like, you know, title and time frame, I'm only doing it so long, and then I'm not doing it no more. Listen, I'm not going to say it. But then witnessing, you know, the fact that, listen, you have found something that is so good. I mean, this good news is good that you would share with others. And our word, I can't tell you enough about what the word of God means to us. I, it, is, it is immensely revealing to me that when I read something in God's word and I apply it to my life, there's something about God being faithful to his word that allows me to stand on that word and trust him in my walk, even when I don't see it. That's faith, isn't it, right? And, and that, I, I didn't make that up. That came from Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about where faith is the substance of things hopeful but not yet seen. So I don't see it yet, but I got to believe that in my prayer closet, as I'm crying out to God, God wants the same things for me. The Bible says that he wants to give me the desires of my heart if I delight in him. The only way that I can delight in God is if I live a Christ-centered life. And God knew that we needed help. I can't do this. Listen to me. I can't do it without help. And I'm not talking about help from you. I'm talking about help from God. 
God knew our frailty. He knew that we were incapable of carrying this out on our own. Even Jesus said, right? Jesus said, I'm going to a place you can't go there now. I'm going to go prepare a place that where I am, where I go, you will also be one day, right? But I'm going to send you a helper. Isn't that wonderful? That, that God the Father, God the Son realized that without this helper, we will be incapable of carrying these things out. Even stewardship. We only give so much, don't we? Right? Forget about the principles we learned two weeks ago. Forget about the fact that, you know, we should be giving to the Lord generously and being able to, to bless God and bless God's movement and, 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 and realize that, listen, I learned this, that I'm going to tithe somewhere. I'm either going to give it to God or I'm going to give it to that broken down car. Right? Or I'm going to give it to that broken down guitar and I'm going to give it to, you know, the, 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 the rent increase. I'm going to give it to somebody, but if I pray to the Father who reminds me that if I trust him and test him and rely on him, that he will rebuke the devourer. That somehow those pair of shoes will last a lot longer than they normally would. God is an awesome and mighty God, but I learned this, I can't do it on my own. And there's this place that God wants to move us to. There's this marriage that God wants to bless. There's this, you know, a person that God wants to bless. There's this finances that God wants to bless. And it's somewhere over there. And God is saying, I want to move you towards that. I want to move you towards the center of this wheel. And without Christ, there's no way we're going to be able to do that. Because again, we'll do it for a little while. Imagine a wheel without a, one of these spokes. You want to drive the car that doesn't have these spokes? I don't know too much about wheels, but I've seen some wheels come off. I don't want to be that wheel that comes off. So I want to maintain this Christ-centeredness. But in the midst of my Christ-centeredness, I want to say, God, I need your help. How many of us in this room can say we need help? How many of us say that we've tried this and we haven't been able to sustain it for long periods of time and we're wondering, man, that's a great message and then we leave here and we go through the week and we're feeling good and then Friday comes and bam! And then we come on Sunday and it's like, okay, I need to hear it again. When you are connected with the Spirit of God in your life as a constant reminder, when you're in your Word regularly, when you're in prayer regularly, when the fellowship that you want to do it's something that glorifies God. It's an awesome, and awesome, and awesome experience. It really is. This Friday, we had the privilege of going out as uh, uh, the couples group. Uh, it was intentional in what we did. Of course, we went to this uh, restaurant where I had to really control how much I ate because, you know, my stomach is not as best as it should be, you know? So, <laughs> get a picture, right? But we went to this restaurant, it was like 12 couples just went out and we, we ate and we laughed and, and, and we just had fun because fellowship should be fun as well. But you know what was best about that? That we weren't drinking liquor, we weren't acting a fool, we weren't in the street running around. We, there was a different wholesomeness about being Christ-centered and being, you know, led by the Spirit of God to be able to live out. You know what it was? All it was was, listen, date your spouse. That's all it was. It made it a lot easier because a lot of other spouses were coming. But it was just date your spouse. 
and we went out and we had a great time. Again, I can't do any of this without help. God is trying to move us somewhere. And we're like that, 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 that mule that suddenly decides to sit down and doesn't want to move. I remember that picture, that image in The Little Rascals, where the kids are trying to get this mule to get along, and then the mule sits down, and everybody's trying to push it and get it to pull it, and it doesn't want to move, despite that there's trouble coming. Everybody's trying to get the mule to go. Listen, don't be that mule. God is trying to move you along this continuum. There's a place, look, there's a marriage over here that honors God. There's a place here where your finances honor God. There's a place here where your relationships and your life honors God. And God is saying, I want to move you along. But, I, but you can't do it on your own. And for you to skip over the Spirit of God being a part of your life and you desiring it only leads to problems. You know why? Because you're doing it on your own strength. You're going to do it on your own strength. And I don't know about you, but I can only bench press so much. I can only run so fast. I can only speak so long. Listen, patience is something we all need. But how much do we need when we're tested? How much do we need or muster up when we get pushed or rubbed the wrong way? You see, in my flesh, I'm limited. And how much patience I will have with my spouse or with my children or with anyone else for that matter. The person that cuts you off or the person that says something inappropriately at work. How much? Un poquito. But with the Spirit of God in me and guiding me, it's unlimited because you know why? One of the prayers is let me see them the way you see them. Let me hear things the way you hear. Let me feel the way you feel. And God says, that's what I want you to experience. So that your wheel can continue to move in motion. And can continue to, to be a blessing to others. Today, I want to talk to you about living in obedience. And living in obedience is innocent. It's not fun sometimes. It is, isn't, right? I mean, uh, you know, living in obedience, it's not fun. Now, now we ask this question in our fellowship. And, and you know, a lot of people say, well, it's fun. And when is it fun? It's good. You know when it's good? When you are obedient to God's word. And it comes through fruition. But when it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. You're telling me I got to be quiet? You're telling me I got to be still? You're telling me I got to wait? God, I can't hear you. Well, well, the word of God reminds me that those that wait upon the Lord, Shall what? Renew their strength. They should soar on wings of eagles. Woo! See, that's the word. In the midst of me being, you know, antsy and wanting to be disobedient, I want to live in obedience. The only way that's going to stir it up is through the word of God. You see, when it comes to stewardship, the only way that's going to matter is, is I'm going to have to learn how to live on a budget. I don't have that much. But what I do have... I'm blessed. And if you look at some third world countries, if you look down the block, if you look under the BQE where I live, where people are living on mattress, wraps and, and blankets, eating out of, of whatever they can get, I'm blessed. And so are you. The, the issue is not whether we have. The issue is, am I being a good manager with what God has given me? Amen? 
Praise God. I don't want to be immune. I want to move along. God, move me along. Use whatever you can and move me along. But I have a desire to be Christ-like. I have a desire that Christ will live in the center of my life. And I need the Spirit of God to be able to do this for me. Amen? In your bulletins, there's a sermon map that I hope that you have in there. Everybody say amen if you have one. If you're here for the first time, welcome. You are in uh, a very comfortable and safe place. We try to make it as uh, best as possible for you so that you can walk with us as we go into God's word. I put down a definition of obedience there and it, uh, it says obedience is a quality or condition of being obedient. And then it goes on to say obedient is dutifully complying with the commands, orders, or instructions of one in authority. Who's our authority? That's right. Is there any doubt in here? Because if he's the one in authority, shouldn't we be obedient to his word and what he asks of us? Now, here's the kicker. We see the word commands, and I want you to underline the word commands, because the issue that comes up is, is that the Ten Commandments? It's the Ten Commandments and more. In the New Testament, you'll find 49 commands of Christ. One of them is, love your neighbor. Forgive. Right? Things like that. Those are commands that come straight out of the mouth of Christ. So it's not just the Ten Commandments. You want to start small? All right. Start with the Ten Commandments. But know this, that the Bible says that if you break one, you've broken them all. So I want to move into this grace, New Testament, and say, okay, Christ, tell me what I need to do and help me to hear. And he's clear. If you love me, you keep my commands. Amen? Okay, so here I want to read Luke verse, chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. That NLT there is the New Living Translation. And it says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And he was praying. The heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit, underline that word, in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. It says the Spirit descended upon him. Jesus himself had a moment there in which he realized, listen, do you realize that Jesus in his bodily form also could not do without the Spirit? It's like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. You just don't exclude it. You just don't put it to the side. You just don't ignore that part of our lives. If we believe in God the Father, the triunity of God, then the Spirit of God has to be in there. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God that's been sent to help us. It's been sent to help us. The Greek word is parakletos, one like me, will come to help you. To help you, to assist you in this process. I can't do this on my own. You can't do it on your own. You need help. We need help. Will we cry out for that help in our moment of need? Will we stay in our word? Will we stay the course? Because if anything I've learned, this race is not for the swift. It's for those who stay the course. It's for those who realize that at the very end of all this, there is a Phyllis line we cross and hear the words that hopefully we will all hear. Well done, 
my good and faithful servant, you may enter. And this table will be spread out before us and people ask the question, where am I going to sit on the table? Listen, I just want to get in. <laughs> you know, wherever it is, I'm going to eat sumptuously. I pray that we will all be able to participate in that one day. But without Christ at the center, because I've got to tell you something, I fellowship limited. Like if I don't have Christ in me, there are some people that I don't want to hang out with. <laughs> Come on now. I'm not the only one in this room talking like that. With stewardship, listen, you know, i got to buy something. I, I'll give God after I'm done. Woo, I don't want to do that. But without Christ, without the Spirit of God, that's what happens. What? I, I'll, I'll hear you now, Pastor. I'm going to fold the Bible, put it away, and then pick it up again next Sunday. Right? Because what happens? There's an intrusion that takes place in our lives every day. I work, right? And I don't know about you, but anytime you, you feel physically tired, guess what? Woo! That's gone. Woo! That's gone. Service? Oh, no, I can't do that. Fellowship? Man. Witnessing? I'm tired, Lord. Right? That's why we need the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God will let you know. Because why? I woke up in the morning in prayer asking God, God, give me, put someone in my path that I can witness to. Right? And you heard the pastor say how he was on a train and, you know, and, 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 and how it, it hurts when you don't respond to the Holy Spirit, man. When it provokes you and it says, you know, okay, if you make him pass by me again, I'll do it. Okay, pass by me again, I'll do it. And you don't do it and you sit there and there's this grieving that takes place. Because there's a spirit within you and it's telling you, do it, do it, do it. And you know what? Who gets the glory when you witness? God the Father. He gets the glory. But you know what we have to get by? And this is a sermon for another day. We got to get the whole past, this whole thing. That, oh man, but they'll reject me. No, they're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting you. Your job is to witness. Leave the results up to God. Amen? Praise God. Look what it goes on to say. In John, no, in Mark chapter 1 verse 12, it says, The Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Who was it that compelled Jesus to move? The Spirit. The Spirit compels us, moves us, gets us out of bed when we don't want to, helps us to be silent when we need to, helps us to be still when we need to. He reveals these things. He illuminates our minds to God's truth. I can't do this without the Spirit of God. I can't do that without the power that power is called dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Dunamis. Dynamite. Boom. I'm empowered now. I can do it. In my own flesh, I can't. But in the spirit of... I can. I can. And I'm able to do it because of the spirit of God living within me. Reminding me. Anybody ever leave the house and then have to go back because you thought you left the stove on? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> right? You know, lately, like like the car is so silent that I'll jump out in a rush, and I leave it running. I don't know. Maybe it's my age too. But thank God for the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God says, "Where's your keys? Where's your keys?" And I'm like, "Oh man!" And I go back, and I'm hoping the door don't close on me. Right? 
And, and, and I'm saying, man, how can I forget that? Right? But the Spirit of God didn't let me get too far to remind me. Even the simple things like that, it's not just steward, fellowship and all that stuff. The Spirit of God will tell you, don't go down that block. The Spirit of God will tell you, don't go to that party. The Spirit of God will tell you, yo, you know, you missed that train, it's okay. Right? It's okay, there's another train, right? But if we're angsty and we're frustrated because we're, you know, living in this place of, of angst, you know, and frustration and anxiety because there's no peace in us, then it's like, oh, man, i got to get on this train. Yo, move out the way, man. i got to get it. You know, and, and, and frustration leads. And then you get to work hard. Angry, frustrated, right? And then who gets it? Your boss, the one that signs your check. Oh, my God, are you out of your mind? <laughs> This person could fire you. So it goes on to say there that he was compelled to move into the wilderness. If, if you read the rest of those scriptures, it talks about that he was moved into the wilderness, listen, to be tempted. To be tempted. You think there's a preparation going on there? You think there's a strengthening that's going on there? You think that there's a moment in which we're going to be tempted in this room? To not live out this life of being obedient to God in his word, prayer, stewardship, fellowship, witnessing. You think that that's not going to happen? Of course. The enemy wants to do nothing else but intrude your life so you're poor witnesses. There's nothing wrong with God. There's something wrong with us when we don't cry out and ask the Spirit of God to overwhelm us with his presence so that we can live this out. There is nothing wrong with God. There is nothing wrong with God's word. It's when we try to do it on our own strength. It's when we get uh, prideful and, and we overlook and we start embracing this whole thing of entitlement where we think we're entitled. Well, God, I've come to church for a Sunday straight. When are you going to fix this problem? Oh, God, you know, I, I, I've given, oh, God, but you know, it's summer and you heard our pastor last week with his wonderful rendition of September, see you in September. I can't do it. He can't. I can't. But that's the truth. People check out in the summer. This is not about going on vacation or not going on vacation. That's not what this is. This is about checking out. This is about disconnecting. And when you disconnect and check out, you're in trouble. Your wheel begins to wobble. Begins to wobble. Because listen, even on vacation, you, gotta, you, you check into the hotel, go to the concierge and says, where is there a house of worship that I can visit? I do that all, just where is a place that I can visit? You know? Uh, don't disconnect. Don't put on some of standing lotion and run around doing all this stuff that you disconnect. You know, the, the, the travesty about it is that we disconnect and then expect the pastor or someone playing an instrument to connect us again. You should be doing this all week so when we come here, our worship service, our fellowship, is like nothing else. It's then that we get the attention of God. That his ear is turned to this place. That he hears and he says, oh, wait a minute. There's something different going on down there. There's something going different in that school, in that gym. There's something different going on over there. I got to visit them because there's someone down there that needs me. And I got to show up. Amen. Look at the next one. John 14, 16 says, Then I will ask the Father, who is the I? Jesus. Okay? 
I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. Everybody say that last part. Always be with you. Always. You see, this is why, listen, I always tell the men, it's better that you don't hear, right, to have heard and not do. You're responsible now with what you hear from the Word of God. So in other words, if you sit and you hear what God is saying, and then you drop it, right? And then you come two or three weeks later and say, man, I messed up. I said, but didn't you hear? God was speaking to you. God was using his word to reveal this truth to you, to get you to avoid this thing that was coming three weeks from now, because God sees before us, doesn't he? And if he brings a message to you, whether it's in your car, whether it's in music, whether it's complete stranger, and a lot of times, here's what we do, because the messenger is not dressed in a particular way, or smell a particular way, or act a particular way, you immediately, boom, you do your what? What do you do? Your mental kung fu, don't you? Right? Right? Right away, it's like, no, oh, I'm not, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. You, know, you don't understand what I'm going through. You know, again, that doesn't mean Christ-centered, that means you-centered. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Stop for a moment. What about what Christ went through for you and for me? Amen? That verse there says, I'm going to pray. In chapter 14 of John, it's a prayer. It's a whole prayer chapter. He's just praying. He's just letting it go. He's just crying out to, to, you know, this is what he's doing at that moment. And I want you to know that, again, I don't want to be that mule. I want God to move me along. I want God to get me to that place where I can experience this abundant life that we speak about. Man, like how long, if, if, if you're married, how long do you fight over the same thing? Right? How long, you know, in your relationship with your children do you keep bumping heads with them? How long do you, you know, uh, have money in this hand and it goes through this hand? And, and before you know it, you're broke again and you're wondering why. Like, what's going on? There's something missing. There's something missing. Is Christ at the center first and foremost? And are you asking God to help you? Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, please help me. Help me to be quiet when I need to be quiet. Help me to move when I move. Help me to do the things I need to do when I need to do them. Help put somebody in my path. Let me tell you something. If you pray like that, God will put somebody in your path. He will. He'll put somebody in your path. And, and let me tell you something. Even in that respect, in witnessing, understand this. There is somebody already in your path. There is somebody that, buy, that you buy your cup of coffee from every single day. And you're probably thinking, he doesn't even speak the same language I do. But you know what? If anything we know in the track society, write that down. You can Google it. You can get a track in any language if you're really determined to witness. Any language. All you got to do is, they send it to you for free. You're on the internet for God knows what. You can get some tracks. Especially if you live in a community, right? Where there's only a certain type of people that live. If you don't speak Spanish, wow, there's a lot of Spanish, right? There's a lot of stuff 
that's in there. Right? Amen? In a few minutes, I expect the ushers to grab that young man and take that phone from him. Okay? What do you say, y'all? All right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Show me map. You got a pen? If not, pencil. Raise your hand. Make sure you have one. We're going to go walk through it because I want to see you. I want you to see that Jesus himself lived in obedience. Amen? In that first one, it says Jesus knew the word. So in that place, make sure you put the word. How do we know that? Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, you know what it said? But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When did he do that? When the Spirit took him into the wilderness to be tempted. Guess who was there? Yeah. Satan, the enemy. Why? Because that's what he does. He, he hasn't changed his resume. He's a saint. He, he comes to try to veer you off from where God is trying to take you. God is trying to take you to this Christ-centered life. You think that if he comes after Jesus, he's not going to come after you? Are you exempt? Absolutely not. Because the glory of God is manifest through us. When someone is hungry, right? Outside of the Old Testament, when manna came from the sky, we're not dropping loaf of wonder bread from the sky. God is telling you to move and to feed that person. World vision was established because someone was provoked and he saw children on a line starving. And he was wondering why the line was taking so long and, and children were dying. He said, no, we got to do something about this. And he gave all he had at the moment. He said when he went back to the States, he hooked up with all his friends. And he said, we got to do something about this. You know that we have enough food here in the United States to feed the whole world. But we won't. Because there's no Christ-centeredness. Because we're greedy. We have enough wheat in our silos in the Midwest to feed this world twice over. But because it's about money and not about people, we'll let children starve. Don't let you be that person that sees a need and doesn't meet it. And there's someone right now that you can think of that has a need that you can meet. And there's a difference between meeting a need based on your flesh and there's a difference of meeting a need led by the Spirit of God. You know the difference? That person is blessed. The person is dependent on you when you do it in the flesh. So every day and every week you're going to see the same person. You want to be able to what? What I have, I want to be able to give. I don't have silver and gold, but I have what? I got the Lord. And I know that if I give you the Lord, if I give you God, and I tell you, man, you, you can get up. I know a place you can go to where you can get clean. I know a rehab you can go to. And if you're having trouble, I know a three-quarter home that we can recommend you to. We all should have these numbers, this information. We shouldn't say, oh, wait a minute, i got to call the pastor. No, you should have this. We are a recovery-driven church. And then if there's a need, recently some young lady at, at my, my job needed a place to stay. 
And, and, and one of the ladies came to me and said, Pastor, do you know a place for young ladies and stuff like that? And we just got on the phone and everything. They were able to place this 17-year-old in a place that would be able to help us. I shouldn't have to be in the street. We live in a time of information. Why would we be so dense? But because we don't have the Spirit of God leading us, we're not looking to network and to listen. For such a time as this, you are where you're supposed to be. At your job, whether it's doing floors or being a pastor or working in a school, wherever it is, God has placed you there to be a light. To be able to lead people out of darkness. But I got to tell you that if Christ is not at the center, all they're seeing is you. And in our flesh, ooh, we're a hot mess. We're a hot mess. It, it's a wonder why our children have trouble following us as fathers. It's a wonder why our wives will have difficulty following us and submitting to us. Because Christ is not at the center, it's all about you. Amen? Next one. Jesus had fellowship. How do I know? Because it says in Mark 3.13, afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. So in that line, you're writing the word what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Jesus knew fellowship. Those who wanted to go deeper, fellowship. Because i got to tell you something, there was a group of people that were... In Spanish, we call them domingueros. Domingueros are Sunday worshipers. They only come on Sundays. What does that mean? It means that they only show up on Sundays. They don't do anything else during the week. They come on Sundays and Sundays only. Nobody here because I see everybody and your faces are familiar to me. Amen? But, but, but throughout the week, church doesn't end today. You are the church. The church is mobile. You know, you're moving. You are the church. You embody all these things, if the Spirit of God is leading you and Christ is at the center of your life. Those who wanted to go deeper began to be called unto him. And he was able to call them out. Because I know that there's a scene in the Bible in which when he started to say these hard things, because they're hard, aren't they? Because they clash against your own life rules. This whole forgiveness piece, you know, clash with a lot of people. This whole thing about the Sabbath clashed with a lot of people. Oh, wait a minute. He's healing on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. Oh, don't you realize? And then Christ just hit him. He said, listen, it's not what goes in. It's what comes out. Why? Because when it comes out, it comes out from your heart. I said, wow. That's powerful. And then slowly but surely, he said, man, the only reason you're following me is because you saw me do the fish and bread thing, man. That's why you're following me. You think you're getting another meal from me. And slowly but surely, they started to fall away. And then he realized that his time was limited in order for him to get a group of men that would live in obedience, to, to be disciples, he had to begin to take them apart and begin to do life with them. And begin to talk to them about things, deeper things. And when you fellowship in a group, that begins to happen. You begin to have conversations about deeper things. There are people who begin to challenge you on what you're reading week to week and what you're doing. There's an accountability that takes place. Listen, left to your own devices, you're going you're to ruin yourself and reel a bunch of people. A bunch of people you're going to ruin. We don't want that. 
But we have to get you out of the way. We got to move you out of the center of this wheel. We got to get Christ at the center. You got to cry out for the Spirit of God to lead you. Jesus himself was led, compelled. I love that word. Compelled by the Spirit. Move, Jesus. Let's go. You're going into the wilderness now. All right. The dove descended on you. Oh, you're looking good. You're looking wonderful. Okay, what next? Well, you know what next. Because over there is the cross. And I got to get you there. And everybody's got to see you going there. Amen? Next one. Jesus was a generous steward. He saw the need and he fulfilled the need. He used what he had. How do I know? Because it says right there. Mark 8, 6. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. There was a need. They were hungry. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry, it's very difficult for you to speak to me about anything else. Right? Because my stomach is talking to me. Right? You hear it? Right? I got to eat something. Jesus, the, the ultimate wisdom, right? You know, he says, wait a minute, we gotta, these people have been following us for a little bit. We've got to be able to provide for them now. And, and he took what he had, and everyone here has, and he generously distributed it. Everybody, nobody that was at that place on that day didn't eat. Nobody. And you know what? If you read that story, I didn't see Jesus eat. I, I didn't. It doesn't say that he ate too. It said that he thought more of others before himself. That he thought about blessing others before blessing himself. Can we begin to move that way? Can we begin to see this need? And generously use the resources that God has given us to bless others. Amen? Praise God. Next one. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. We're going through this whole living in obedience discipleship wheel. This is what we're going through. It says, John 17, 9. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who have you have given me because they belong to you. Amen? Don't stop praying for our families. Don't stop praying for the church. Don't stop praying for the sick and the lost. You are the direct result of somebody praying. You are the direct result of someone, even when they were missing a spoke on this wheel, were able to say, listen, I found something. I found something at this place. You know, there's a church over there that's just different, man. And God is using to speak to me and to help me along to get stronger in this wheel called discipleship, called living in obedience. Amen? Next one. Put down Jesus witnessed to others. The great I am's in the Bible, one of them is I am the way, the truth, and the life. I love that line. 
Because early on, if, if you read the Bible, the word Christian wasn't used at the very beginning. They were known as people of the way. And that was in relation to what he said about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so, so it wasn't that the Christians came in, you know, the book of Acts later on, it was the first time the word disciple appears a great deal more than the word Christian does. Okay, so it, it, the word disciple is important. And that only happens through us living this Christ-centered life. When Christ is at the center, you want to share with others. You want to bring others along on this ride. Amen? And it says here, Jesus told them, go back to John. Now, everybody know who John was here? John the Baptist. Right? Because John was waiting for someone. Right? He was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for the one that will usher in the kingdom of God. And Jesus showed up, and when Jesus showed up, John had to decrease so that Christ could increase. Right? So it goes on to say, go back and tell John, who happened to be in, in prison, and tell him what you have heard and seen, that the blind see. I don't know about you, but I was once blind. God removed the scales from my eyes, and he's allowing me to see things for what they are. I'm not troubled of the things that I used to be troubled about before. I have a whole new perspective. I'm sitting on this heavenly realm. God has put me up on this stage and he's saying, I want you to see differently now. I want you to see beyond the front row. I want you to be able to see that there's more to it. And when you move away and you move back, you begin to see the whole picture rather than just a spot on the picture. Amen? And he goes on to say, listen, the lame are walking, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear." The dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. The lepers are cured. Underline that word for a moment because we spoke a little bit about it last week. Leprosy today is known as Hansen's disease. And what it does is it destroys your nerve ends. Makes you insensitive to feeling. Now, now listen to that for a moment. Because sin does that. Sin does that. And, and we're all, at one time or another, lepers. And, and he comes in and he says, listen, the sinners are being cured. The, the, those who are among I want you to go back and tell John the lepers are being cured. The deaf are hearing. Don't be deaf anymore. But you will be if your Christ is not in the center. If the Spirit of God doesn't have you, then you're not going to hear what is unsaid. Right? We go to school and we get trained on all these things. Uh, what the person is not saying. Right? We, 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 you know, there's something you're not saying, or there's something that I did say, or there's something that maybe I said, and because you are at a place that you, you know, weren't comfortable with what I said was misunderstood, so you begin to have conversations. You don't do that if Christ is at the center. You'll say whatever you want to say and leave it alone, and you won't have a dialogue with the people you love. So what you do is you leave it alone, you push it down, and you don't even address it. So what happens? It builds up, doesn't it? And then one day, when the rice don't taste as good as it should have, right? Or the socks are left somewhere, or, or you get a flat tire as if it's my fault, <laughs> right? It comes out. 
and you're yelling and screaming and the person is like, whoa, where did that come from? It's come because uh, we push it down. See, the Spirit of God keeps short accounts. Why? Because in the book it tells me that I don't keep any records of wrong if I love you. I don't keep any records. There's not a book that I'm writing things in. I'm not, you know, keeping a tally on you. You know, we were talking about forgiveness the other day and people always, you know, use a scripture 70 times 7, you know. That, that, that's not, don't take it to be that because then you start saying things like, yo, you're up to 489. Right? Because 7 times 70 is 490, so you're like, oh, you, you, you're up there already. That means, one, you're keeping records of wrong. Two, it doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that. It's just, this is unlimited. You know, this is, you know, a place where I got to forgive, and I got to forgive, and I got to forgive. And people say, well, I forgive, but I won't forget. Listen, you're absolutely right. You won't forget, and you'll forever live in the past, never experiencing the present, and stumbling into your future. Ouch. Write that down, because that just came to me. I probably won't repeat it in that service. But, but just know that. Just, just, just know that, that forgetting is closing the books and, and growing from that experience. And saying, okay, you know, I went down that block, I got mugged. <laughs> Guess what? I'm not going to go down that block. I got five different ways to get home. Why am I going down that block? Anybody experience that? There's a block you used to probably buy drugs on or a place you used to go or stuff like that. It's the reason you shouldn't keep a number in your phone if you have no intentions of calling it ever again. If you're serious about not calling it, delete it. We have so many carriers today, you can change your number. If you're really serious about moving away from that, because as long as it's in your phone, it's going to come up. Last one. It says the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. What's the good news? What's the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is alive and well. In that last line, it says, Jesus came to serve. Ooh, imagine that. That you walk into a place and Jesus tells you to sit down, throws a towel over his arm, and kneels down to wash your feet. I'd be like, yo, chill out, don't, don't get up, get up, don't do that. Right? What he was doing, he was teaching. He was telling. Listen, there's going to come a day when what I do, you're going to do greater. But you've got to learn the, the, the one-on-ones of life. You've got to learn the basic stuff. I've come to serve. And he goes on to say that, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lived in obedience. He lived in obedience because what he did, he did not do of his own. He came to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was that he would 
continue to walk towards that hill. On that cross. People say, oh man, the Romans nailed them. Oh man, this guy nailed them. No. No. No one took his life. He gave it. It happened to me that crucifixion was the way to go that time. There was another way to do it. It would have been done, but that was it. It had to be put on display so that people can see that this is what, and that he knew where he was going. This limited obedience is not pretty sometimes. But man, when you're in prayer and you're crying out to God and you have his word in you and you're witnessing and you're servicing and, and when you're serving, you're not serving because you're looking to get something back. You're serving because Christ came to serve. That's a word for you to take with you, to embrace and say, you know what, I need to serve. How do I serve? Not only in my home, but in my church, in the community, in this world. We, we can serve straight from our uh, uh, living room. We can serve. Uh, you're going to see, and I pray that you're able to come to the Leadership Summit, there are a great deal of people that reveal the movement of God in many other places. Two years ago, uh, um, uh, a brother was talking about how they were uh, um, developing these things to have fresh water in places where, where there was no water. And a bunch of people donated. You know that? Imagine, we go and we drink water like nothing. There are some places that don't drink water. Some of us have even traveled outside of New York, and when we taste the water, it's like, something wrong with this water. Right? Imagine. And, and what they did was they said, you know, speak to us afterwards. And some people signed up. Some churches signed up. There were villages in Africa that needed to be supported, and, and, and whole churches signed up to support villages. So again, when God wants to do something, he targets the individual to move within his family and then the community and then the world. And you're saying, well, I can only do so much. Absolutely. You can only do so much. But imagine, collectively, we came together as a church and put our mind to live for Christ, to be led by the Spirit. What a powerful movement will take place right here in this gym or at 360 or wherever else that we have the privilege of planting a church. And there will be a people who will say, you know what, I want to live in obedience. Pastor, what does that look like? Well, I hope that you hold on to this sermon map because it will show you that Jesus lived in obedience. And if you want to live in obedience and have a Christ-centered life, this is what we have to be able to do. How do you do service these days? Do you do service? How do you fellowship? What are your prayers like? We've been told in our own gatherings, watch the quality of your prayer. Don't let it just be a list of asking things for God. There's an internal change that has to happen in our lives, and we have to begin to cry out for that. God, that I would be more christ like that you will begin to you know uh, uh, rub away those those harsh parts of my life 
like sandpaper, right? Just, you know, sand me off, trim me down, do whatever you got to do to get me to be the son, the husband, the father, the brother, the uncle, the cousin, the friend, the pastor that you need me to be, whatever it is that you want me to be. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be led by your spirit. Help me to be that. And Lord, get me out of the way. Weave my life of selfishness and self-centeredness. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And, and if anything, living in obedience that this has shown us is that everywhere he knew the word, he fellowshiped, he stood. Why? He wanted to show us the way. Isn't there a song like that? He came from heaven to earth. To show us the way. Because left to ourselves, we develop these life rules that just don't apply in any way, shape, or form to fulfill that in our lives. I believe that everyone in this room needs help. Me first. I need help every day. Not just on Sunday. I need help every day. Look around you. And if there's an empty seat here, there's someone here that should be here. There's someone here that you can make an effort to bring. There's someone here that you can call the night before or the day before. There's someone here that you should be connecting with in some way already. There's someone here that you should be praying for. There's someone here you should be witnessing to. There are people who are dying within your circles. Imagine... Last week's message, and what they found to eat and the abundance they found, they kept to themselves. They didn't go and share with others. Imagine if Maureen doesn't share with Andrew. Imagine whoever shared with you and with you, with you, with you, was quiet and didn't say anything. Even if you're not where you need to be, at least you're here. And at least there is a truth that you're listening to. Now, all you have to do is live in obedience. That's all you got to do. And I know obedience doesn't feel good. It never does. Right? Baby cries in the middle of the night. You kind of roll over and make believe you're sleeping and see who gets up first. Come on now. I'm so grateful my wife has this maternal instinct and she got it first. You know? Or you wind up doing a double shift so you don't have to do it. <laughs> Come on now. But getting up. Because what? There is a place that God wants to take us to. God is trying to get us into this center. This Christ-centered life. I don't want to be that mule. Man, I wasn't asked long enough. I really, really was. I don't want to be anymore. I want to be Christ-centered. Everything I do, everything I I, I say, I want to be able to do it, but I need the Spirit of God because there are moments in in which if, if, if the Spirit of God is not involved, I'll say the most stupidest things. I'll offend someone or I'll send an email that, that is completely you know, misread, misprinted on my part. 
and hurts the people I love. Because I do love them. And I wouldn't want to do that to anybody. But sometimes in our love, because we're not Christ-centered and we don't have the Spirit of God, we will hurt the people we love. And we need to be able to get past that. I say, God, get me out of the way. Don't, don't let me be in the way anymore. Run me over with that mat truck. Let this flesh of mine be put to death once and for all so I can love my wife the way she deserves to be loved. And I can love my son, my family, my co-workers, the stranger. But I can live this life in a way that it stands for something other than me. There are no statues being erected of Pastor Gus. On my tombstone, there will only be a dash between my date of birth and my date of death. I want a dash to mean something. A pause of God taking me to the center. Amen? If you have your yellow cards, here's what I want you to do in response to this. At the very bottom of your yellow card,